Welcome to Young and Adulting, a podcast of the Young Adults community at Christ Fellowship Church. Our hope is to create a safe place for authentic conversation around the ins and outs of life as we all try to navigate following Jesus in the world we live in today. Thanks for joining us and welcome to the conversation. Well, welcome to another episode of Young and Adulting. My name is Lewis, and we are in this new season called What I Wish I Knew, because we either get to learn from our mistakes or we get to learn from our mentors. So this season, we've been bringing in some heroes from the faith, some legends, some mentors in our lives, and having real, honest conversations about what I wish I knew, so that way you and I can walk in with a little more clarity and with a little more focus today. We have the, we'll talk about GOAT, the GOAT, the greatest of all time, the coach, the leader, the mentor, the pastor, Coach Tom. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Today. It's great, great to be with you, Lewis, and, and all that joining us today on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was thinking about this. We either learn from our mistakes or the mistakes of our mentors. I can't think of really any mistakes in your life other than the fact that you're an Ohio State fan. So we're going to have to... <laughs> Get yeah, over the that Ohio a State. <laughs> Show them the proper respect. The Ohio State. Oh my goodness. No, man. no. You know, Lewis, being a football coach, uh, you you learned real quick how to process both failure and success. And and all of our failures were posted on a scoreboard, by the way, for everybody to see. And That's then true. the newspaper would run an article on your failure the next day. So even as a young uh, coach and uh, young athlete playing the game. You had to learn how to just learn from the times you failed, the times you did not accomplish what you set out to do, and uh, and and it's it's been an interesting journey because it's all about our perspective on how we process what the world labels as failure and even what the world labels as success. So mm-hmm. it's 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 an interesting dynamic. Right. You um, you were a football coach for so long. And, and we look today at what Christ Fellowship is. It's hard to imagine it was anything other than this. Could you tell us a little bit about that journey of kind of what caused you to plant the church and what it was like in those early days when not everybody would label it a big success? Well, as you know, Lewis, I grew up in a family. Uh, my grandfather was my pastor. My, my great-grandfather was a pastor. Uh, there was this line of ministers in my family. but And I, from the age of 16, uh, was very involved in church, preached my first sermon at 16, was always serving in a local church. When Don and I got married as sophomores in college, we served the local church. But it was never my intent or desire to be a pastor. Really? Who in their right mind would want to be a <laughs> pastor and deal with people's problems and yep. all this stuff? No, no, no. I want to go serve the Lord, lead what I can, help people. But I, I'm, I'm a football coach, you know. So, But we did the two right alongside each other for 15 years plus. And then uh, we went to Israel. I had this wonderful encounter with, with the Lord in Israel, uh, and in that encounter, it changed my whole perspective. I was 38 years old and ready to step into another dimension of my career, and that's when I felt God was calling us. And so we gathered people around us. We prayed. Uh, we made it a matter of prayer and fasting for weeks, actually months, wow. and then we made a decision to step out by faith and launch Christ Fellowship. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. What was that like whenever you've experienced great success in the football world? Tell us what it was like the first couple months, well, the first couple years. Well, the interesting thing is, uh, I wish I'd never read this article. Uh, the Palm Beach Post, the sports writer, had written an article 
uh, when I made the transition and went public that uh, because I'd had so much success coaching and being a college athletic director, all the teams I, I, I was a part of, uh, he said, he's going to have this great success. He's going to build this great church. He's going to do all these great things. And here we go. We start off in our home, and we grow to about 40 people. We move over to Grove Park Elementary School. Uh, we grow to about 80 to 90 people or so. And then, boom, that was kind of like our lid. And so we sat there for years. Wow. So in my eyes, we were a complete failure. I mean, I'm going, Lord, what in the world is going on here? Why can't we break out of this? Why can't we do this, do that? It's really is. I, I, I could go back and analyze a lot of things from mm-hmm. it, but I did feel like we were not accomplishing all that God wanted us to do because I had had this opportunity in athletics to have instant victory, instant success. But now in this new world and dynamic, it was not that way. So I really had to buckle down and get tough. I mean, it was a perseverance thing. It was like, I've got to be stay anchored to my calling. Um, and I finally got to the point, Lewis, really, where I said this. I said, Lord, if we're here to touch one life that will go out and touch the world for you, then I want to be found faithful with my assignment. Wow. I want to be faithful. And it's like when I got to that point and um, God just broke things loose and and then we started to grow, and, and God began to bring opportunity. We got our first property on North Lake mm-hmm. and built at this old covered riding arena, converted to a ministry center, and then, boom, we grew to 4,000 people, like literally within a couple years, and then we moved to our current, what we call our North Campus at Gardens, and uh, took over that 40 acres and built a campus there, moved in there in 2000, and then, boom, God, God blew everything up. But it was interesting, along the way, I, I did meet great champions of the faith. I started being very intentional when I was in those years of struggling. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm going to get around some winners. I'm going to oh, find some great. people that are doing this thing right. And they were not in my world at that time. So I had to get out of my comfort zone, and I had to seek them out, and I had to find out where they were going to be, and I had to find a way to get there and learn from them. Because I'd done this in coaching. In coaching, we always went to the national champions or the state champions, and we learned from them. So I said, why am I not doing this in my, in my walk here? And I think that's one of the keys to looking at how do I use every situation I find myself in as a stepping stone of growth, and I can learn from it and even learn from what we're not maybe doing as well as we should be doing. And, and then be willing to make changes. I think one of the things that helps us at Christ Fellowship through these past 40 years is that we have really believed in the principle of Omaha. Mm-hmm. You know, Peyton Manning would get up to the line of scrimmage, Omaha, Omaha. Right. And that was what we call the live signal that the next play I call is going to be the play we're changing to. We called one play in the huddle. You get up on the line of scrimmage. He looks at the defense. He realizes... That's not a good play we called against the defensive front or secondary, I see. So I'm going to call an audible. I'm going to change the play. And so we learn to be very flexible and be willing to make changes and and try things. And I think that's what helped us stay, I think, ready and, and to embrace the changes we needed to make to move from 
what was not very much impact to having greater impact little by little. Right. That's that's incredible. I love that mindset. Whenever we face failure, there is there's a perception problem. A lot of us face failure and oh boo hoo, I'm I'm done and I'm out of it. But there is a perception shift to where you even talked about it. How can this not be a failure, yeah. but a stepping stone? How, how can so I do that? can you, you know, tell us a little uh, yeah, bit about well, that Well, interesting enough here, I, I wrote a couple quotes down mm-hmm. uh, in anticipation of this today. And Thomas Edison, who, who created the light bulb, he, you know, he had 10,000 failures before he found the one success. Wow. But here's how he states it. Wow. I, I have not failed. I just found 10,000 ways that won't work. Incredible. <laughs> That's just a different perspective. You know, Winston Churchill said, success is stumbling from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. Because he was convinced that as long as I persevere and as long as I keep learning and growing, I will find ultimate victory. So that, that's what he said. But here's the one I love I wrote down. Uh, Michael Jordan, the, the greatest. He is the GOAT. And oh, you talking yeah. about the GOAT of basketball, Michael mm-hmm. Jordan is the GOAT. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. I mean, I'm a big Larry Bird fan. You know, Magic Johnson's great. But, but, but Jordan, Michael Jordan is the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. Uh, I, I wrote this quote down. He said, he said, I've missed 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. Mm. And I failed over and over and over again in my life, and that's why I succeed. Wow. Because he refuses to let failure intimidate him from taking the next step or the next shot. I think that's one of the biggest challenges we have to deal with is when we do struggle with failure in our life, no matter what level it's on, it becomes such a huge intimidator to us that makes us actually back away from instead of press into and say, how can I learn from this failure? How can I analyze what's happened and why it's happened and what changes and adjustments do I need to make so I can not repeat whatever brought me to this point? And I think that's why, too, Lewis, it's so important that we have people in our lives, champions of the faith around our lives that can help us and that can help us, you know, really analyze, understand, and can speak into our lives, help us know where we got blind spots, because sometimes we're stepping into the same old problems and ruts in life because of certain blind spots that we're not dealing with in our life. Mm-hmm. And and well, sometimes we need somebody to call those out in us. We need somebody to say, hey, here we go. Come over here, understand this dynamic. But but coach, isn't that isn't that mean? That's rude that somebody would point out something that's wrong with me. How do I how do I get out of that mindset shift? So play, many times. play football. <laughs> uh, because if you play football or any team sport, oh, you, you're going to be held accountable for uh, everything. Because, you know, we'd grab each other by the face mask. Come on, man, you missed that block or you didn't yep. get air, you didn't hustle, whatever. We, we need that. I mean, we, we got to get a little toughened up here. I, I think somehow we've, we've backed off and it, it kind of hurts us. So, we, hey, Here's the thing. I, I heard this quote one time. I loved it, and I, I'm using it in one of my books I'm writing right now about they still call me coach. But And the quote is this. Nobody wants a boss, but everybody wants a coach. Right. No, nobody yeah. wants somebody telling you what to do. Mm-hmm. But the reason we love coaches is because coaches are trying to bring the best out in us and help us perform at our highest level. Well, to do that, they're going to hold us accountable. 
there, there's going to be accountability built in to that coaching. And you, you've never been offended when you know the person has your best interest at mind. So there has to be a relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, before we can call someone up or even talk about their blind side uh, problems and challenges, because it's so much easier to see your problems than for me to see my problems. Oh, Hello. There we go. You know, Jesus talked about that, didn't he? Yep. To get that beam out of your own eye before you get the speck out of the other guy's uh-huh. eye. But the other side of it is if I have a relationship and, and Lewis, like I know, how much you you love me. Mm-hmm. You know how much I love you. So if you came to me and you said, Coach, I, I want to talk to you about something that I'm seeing here that I just want to bring bring attention to you in your life because I think it could help you. What do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to listen to you because I know you care about me. Mm-hmm. You love me. You have no other motive but to help me be better uh, as a witness for the kingdom of God. So I'm going to receive that. Playing team sports, you had to learn how to receive coaching, you know, and they would, they weren't very good. I mean, they grab you by the face mask. I got bad breath, and they're screaming at you, and sometimes yep. they kick you in the butt. And it, but but we knew ultimately it was to help us perform at a higher level. Oh, totally. and that's why we love our coaches. I, I love. I was a, I was a wrestler in high school, so I love Coach Hog. That was his name, oh, Coach Hog. And wrestling's tough, son. I mean, it, it's a tough sport. It was something else, but he would always. He would coach me, but his coaching wasn't a, a sharp criticism. It was to make me better. Mm-hmm. You can talk a little bit about criticism and, and how we can navigate some of that uh, so we can. Yeah, well, criticism is an interesting factor. You know, I, I found that criticism comes not only when you find yourself struggling with failures in your life, but criticism can also come when you're experiencing successes in your life. Oh, that's true. Uh, because people have a tendency, especially today with social media, oh my goodness, people can just be so rough and mean on social media. That's why I'm not on it. Hello, I'm yeah. clued. I'm still, you know, I'm still going like, what? Oh, they say so, whatever. But here's what I learned. I had a good friend um, a long time ago, a guy named Bud Paxson. He, at one time, he, Bud owned the, the most radio stations in America of any man. Okay. And he formed a, a the Home Shopping Network originally, and then he started PAX TV, and that was a, a TV station that was eventually bought out by NBC. But anyways, I was with Bud, and Bud was, we were talking one time about this criticism. He said, well, I had the, I used the 4A principle for criticism. I All said, right. really? So what, what are they? He said, number one, anticipate it. He said, it's coming. Don't let it surprise you, and don't let it surprise you from where it comes from. So don't be like, shocked when you're criticized. It comes with the territory mm-hmm. of both success and failure. And and then the second thing he said, be open enough to analyze the criticism. Analyze it. Don't just put it off like, oh, there's no value to it, but take time to analyze it because sometimes there could be a thread of truth in there that you could learn from in a criticism that could actually help you make the right that's adjustments. Mm-hmm. So that's the next statement. That's the next day. So you, you anticipate it, you analyze it, and then make adjustments that you need to make from mm-hmm. it. But then the last A is the one I love. He said, accelerate beyond it. Don't linger in that criticism. Isn't it amazing how we can have all these words of affirmation, and then we get one critical word, mm-hmm. and it just hovers. It just hovers over it our does. minds, yep. weighs on us, and we're trying to figure this out, and what's behind it, and what's this, and what's me. And next thing you know, we're having a pity party. Come on. 
So I love the acceleration thing. So how do we accelerate beyond that criticism? It's when I think we're honest enough to have analyzed it and maybe even discussed it with others that of our accountability friends and partners that we mm-hmm. have. And 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 we're we're trying to seek an honest evaluation. Is this a blind spot? Is this something I'm not seeing? Because we all have them. And after that discussion, and you've made whatever adjustments you need to make, then boom, don't let that weigh you down. Get your focus back forward. One thing I found about successful people, mm-hmm. their focus is always forward. Okay. It's never backward. Yep, right. Because you you find when we get hung up, it's we're looking back a lot. And it's very hard to move forward with any success if your head's turned back. Right. right? Yeah. So it, it's we've got to do that. That's what I love about the Word of God. The Word of God says focus on the things that are true, that are just, that are lovely, that are pure. And what did Apostle Paul say? I press on to take hold of that which Christ took hold of me. So in other words, there is a mission, there is a purpose in our life, and when we're focused on mission and purpose, that always moves us forward. Mm -hmm. And the enemy wants to trip us up and get us hung up at some point that our our vision is backward instead of forward. So I, I move from how can I take this, quote, failure or this challenge or this criticism or this thing I need to adjust in my life how can I do that to equip me better to move forward into the mission God's called me? Because we all have that call upon our life to be the light and, and be the mission, to be the minister of reconciliation mm-hmm. in our world. And as spiritual followers of Christ, that's our goal. We, are, we live that mission-driven life. Rick Warren wrote the, wrote the book, The Purpose-Driven Life. Right. And the, our purpose is to fulfill the mission, the calling, that God has on our lives, and we all have that. So let's get about that, because that's where our real sense, for me, of reward and significance comes from. Because success can be very temporary and at times superficial, but significance is what we're all really longing for. Okay. Because significance is that my life is making a difference in the lives of others for the kingdom of God. That, that is incredible because so many young adults are chasing success. They're going after the promotion. They're climbing the ladder. They need the relationship, but they need to go after significance. What would be some ways that you would encourage some people that have been going after success to shift towards significance? I, I think uh, view the success that you have in your life and even you're pursuing your life. How can I use this as a platform uh, to have an opportunity to influence others for the kingdom of God mm-hmm. and for Christ. Let's face it, we're, we're drawn to winners. We're drawn to people who are successful, whether it be in business, whether it be in sports, whether it be in education, wherever it is, we're, we're drawn to them. Uh, they're a source of inspiration of us. They, they model for us what we're striving for. So let's leverage that as we're striving for that Mm-hmm. How do we position ourselves along that journey to, to leverage that to help others be successful? Because if, if we're taking our success and we're using it to help others be successful, that's significance to me. And if we're taking our position and leveraging it to have greater influence for the kingdom of God, 
that's significance to me. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's all about how we use what God has blessed us with and what he's given us. And we, none of us achieve success in any realm of life without paying a price. I mean, there's a price to success. Right. You, there is sacrifice involved, um, and, and there's great demands upon your life involved. And plus, it's interesting that success produces its own challenges for all of us. I, I mean, one thing I, I, I found when I was winning in football, uh, we had some undefeated seasons, so now suddenly they expected every season to be, <clears throat> excuse me, an undefeated season. Wow, that's a that's, lot of pressure. That is. That's a huge pressure. I was just watching um, a special on um, uh, Florida Gator football when yeah. Team Tebow played there, yep. Yep. and Coach Urban Meyer was the coach mm-hmm. from there. And uh, Urban Meyer was talking about the unbelievable pressure after they won the national championship then the next year because everybody expecting, well, you, you're going to do it again. Well, sure, you're going you're gonna to do it again. So now the pressure built, and it was unbelievable what it did to him and to others mentally, emotionally, and physically, and relationally in the family dynamic, mm-hmm. the pressure of success. I went, wow, because that, that's a challenge. And, you know, sometimes another problem with, with success is that it, it, can, um, it puts pressure on us. If we, because we've excelled in one area, now we think we should be able to excel in every area. And rarely mm-hmm. are we able to do that or manifest it that way. And I think sometimes we need greater self-awareness and to give ourselves a break, mm-hmm. not take ourselves so serious. Oh, that's good. Some things. And I've always loved the fact that you, we can laugh at ourselves. And oh, you we need can, to. We can acknowledge where we have failed or where we haven't done. And, and then what I found, to be honest with you, Lewis, when the church took off and we started growing like crazy and we're like doubling every year and... Um, then it became, I was so driven to keep that, the momentum going that I, I violated some core principles of the whole work-life balance thing of, um, I didn't take a day off. I was mm-hmm. going seven days a week. I, I neglected my family from the standpoint of giving some of my best and quality time to them when it was always to the needs of others uh, because there was now so many needs and so many parts that we had to try to figure out as we were growing and greatly understaffed. And uh, I look back at that and realize, wow. And the other thing I found was some very successful people, both in business and in ministry, this mm-hmm. is interesting. Okay. The more successful they became, the more isolated they became. Hmm. Think about this, because what happens when, when you reach a certain level of, of expertise and excellence up here, suddenly you don't have many peers, and everybody is wanting something from you. Right. They all yeah. want something from you because they see you've, you've arrived on the mountain. Now, how do we get on the mountain? And you want to help everyone else get up on the mountain, but then suddenly you find yourself pulled, 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 pulled. I had to make an interesting decision. It was uh, when we started to really explosively growth and grow, and and we were getting involved with uh, um, Campus Crusade for Christ Ministry. Mm-hmm. Doctor Bill Bright. Now they call it Crew or whatever they they call it now. Yeah. Um, and I was traveling, uh, doing leadership training uh, for them uh, around the world, and I was in Spain, and I was training uh, all their 
uh, leaders in Europe, North Africa, and the Middle East. And I was training them for three days. I'm on my way back home from Spain in the plane contemplating, and my daughter had traveled with me on that trip, and, and we were coming back, and I was praying about, you know, having a greater impact in the world and globally. And I felt the Lord speak in my heart that the key to that was to go focus more about back home mm. here and build this ministry the way it needs to be. Pour into this. Give more time to your assignment, your initial assignment, and then I'll take care of this reach. Well, and now today, you think about where we are all those years later, and with our church online, we're touching about 140 nations around the world. Unbelievable. I have now traveled around the world, every every major continent. I'm I'm looking at all things that have happened, but when what I did was I came back, I canceled a lot of trips, a lot of speaking engagements. I got off certain boards, and I focused on bringing balance to my ministry here and my family. Mm-hmm. And when I did those two things, we started to just continue to take off and and then find out that we could have even a broader impact when I found that balance in my mm-hmm. life. So that, that's one thing we have to guard about success because uh, we, we, we can't, we, we can't let it rob us of the balance we need in our lives. At the same time, uh, we can leverage it for, for impact for others. That, that's incredible. Coach, thank you so much. I know that you are famous for your coaching tips. And so whenever we talk about success, failure, you have any just real practical coaching tips for us? I think as, as followers of Christ, um, we have to treat um, all of our successes in our lives obviously comes from the Father's hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, even in coaching, I, I would, because I was so blessed to win and have all these wonderful undefeated seasons and success and whatever I, I basically put my hand to, I was kind of like Joseph in, in, in sports. Whatever Joseph, wherever Joseph was in the Bible, it prospered. Well, wherever I was athletically, it prospered. And But when I went to the church, it didn't prosper for ah. like seven years. And I'm going... <laughs> So what is it? Well, it's God all the way. But even in, when I was coaching football and having great success, I I knew it was from God, and I gave God the honor. And I think recognizing that and then using our success to whatever level to bring honor to God as a platform to honor God, and I think to help others. Uh, we, we use that as, as a way to do that. And, and then I, I, I wrote this one down too. I I've always wanted to have my success held in open hands, my life held in open hands, and whatever I'm doing for the Lord in open hands, because I realize he put them, he put it there, and he also has the freedom to remove it. Mm. So if he removes something, I know he's going to replace it with something. So it's like, okay, wow. Even when we made the transition here, Lewis, now Mm -hmm. what's it been 14 years ago or more? Right. When we uh, made the transition where uh, I passed the leadership baton to Todd. Um, so Don and I, we passed that off to Todd and Julie, and uh, we repositioned ourselves. And But I knew as we repositioned ourselves that you know now I'm getting to serve Todd and Julie, who served us faithfully for 25 years. Now we get to serve them, which is going to be exciting. But I also knew God was going to open some new doors for us to be able to serve 
the church at large, even in a greater way, mm-hmm. because I've been freed up from some of my responsibilities here. Um, even though I'm still on the teaching team, still still working with the church, still serving Todd, still helping us with all of our properties and buildings and all that kind of stuff, because I've always done that. But I have freedom now to mentor and coach a mm-hmm. lot of young pastors and travel and teach and train and do a lot of things that the Lord told me when I was in Spain I need to let go of for a while. Wow. Now I've been able to pick those things back up, and it's very rewarding to see that God is being able to use us in other dimensions. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I get the joy of being here, watching the fruit uh, develop wow. and see all that God is doing. Because, I mean, come on, what the Lord is doing at Christ Fellowship right Incredible. now. Incredible. We just baptized 780-plus people yeah. in the ocean. Come on, give me a break on that one. Well, that's unbelievable. Over 500 Students and children getting their hearts to Christ this summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, last Easter, we had 3,000 people come to Christ. We have got the most dynamic young adults a group anywhere. I heard That's like we right. had over 1,000 or something like that. Just last week. Just last week on all <laughs> of our camp. Come on. Yep. I mean, we're, we're ready to bring a spiritual revolution to this region that will impact our nation yes. and the nations beyond. Yes. So, listen, just just keep your hands open before the Lord and— uh, I heard this one quote. I wrote this down because I wanted to say this. I, I don't know who did it. Somebody gave it, but I, I don't remember who. I couldn't find who. You, somebody will find it here on the podcast. <laughs> but here, here's what they said. Success and failure, treat those two imposters just the same. Wow. Treat the two imposters just the same. Imposter. So I don't, I think it's it's how we measure, how we evaluate, how we do what. Here's how I really have learned to measure success. Am I keeping my heart pure in its motives to honor God today? Mm-hmm. If I am, this is a successful day. If I allow myself to be distracted from honoring God today, and I find myself drifting in any way, that's an unsuccessful day. Wow. So I'm learning how to judge now success not by the wins, not by the record, not by the accolades, not by the numbers, not by the money. I'm learning to judge success now by, am I pleasing my Heavenly Father today in my heart and my walk? Because the final goal for all of us is this, to hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. So come on, grab up your spiritual pants, go running hard after God, and just look to honor him every day. And, you know, somebody asked us the other day, Don and I were uh, talking to a couple, and uh, and they said, tell us the secret of your marriage. You, you guys have been married 58 years. What's the secret? Mm-hmm. And I said, and, and Donna spoke up real quick. She says, well, you know, of course, we have Jesus at the center, and we've learned to just honor one another. Mm-hmm. We honor one another. And I thought, that's that's the key to life, isn't it? Just live a life that brings honor. We want to honor God. We want to learn to honor other people. And in doing that, you're you're actually becoming an agent of honor. And and that is the real label of success. Mm-hmm. Coach, uh, we could not figure out ways to honor you enough for the sacrifice that you made so many years ago to plant this church, the sacrifice to, uh, to leave opportunities, to stay and focus here. I could think about my own life. I don't know if I'd have a relationship with Jesus. I definitely wouldn't be 
doing what I'm doing today. I wouldn't know my wife, Kalisa, if it wasn't for, for Christ fellowship. I think about that verse, those who are planted yeah. in the house of the Lord will flourish, flourish. in the courts of flourish our God. That's amen. True. Thank you for, for caring yeah. for this for so long. Okay. Well, thank you and bless you and bless everyone who joins on the podcast. Stay strong, run hard for the Lord. That's it. Well, this concludes this episode of the Young and Adulting Podcast. You need to to take this episode and listen to it once a week for the rest of your life. Get a little bit more coach in you. But go ahead and like and subscribe. Share this with somebody. Send it to a friend. And we'll see you back for the next episode of Young and Adulting. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Young and Adulting. Follow us on Instagram at cf.youngadults. And if there's a topic you'd like to talk about, we want to hear about it send us an email or leave a comment with your thoughts. We'll see you next time.